Hey guys, this is Steven. Thank you for listening to the History of the FMW podcast. I just want to take a minute and kind of uh, bring you guys behind the scenes a little bit. Right now, I'm actually in the Shanghai airport on my way to Tokyo. I'm going to be in Tokyo for about two weeks, and after that, I'm likely going to be heading out on a little bit of an excursion through Nepal and maybe India and a few other places. So I'm not sure how many episodes me and Bahu are going to be able to do of the history of FMW. When me and Bahu started this, we our goal was to do two episodes per month, and for the most part, we've uh, we've been able to do that. Um, all I, I wanted to let you guys know what uh, goes into creating these. Uh, shows. So first, what I do is is I go through and I go through all of the old uh, observers of the time, and I scour for anything involving FMW, Wing, IWA, Onita, Mr. Pogo. I search for names. I search for events, and um, and I create a basic outline of what's going on in that year. Then I go to Bahu's site and I get the results of of the year. Uh, and then I go to Cage Match, and I'll, I'll, I'll usually use that for results for shows like Wing or Oriental Pro, whatever might be coming up in that show. Um, then I send all of that to Bahu, and uh, together we create a script of you know what's worth talking about, what's just kind of mundane goings on that's just not so interesting, and uh, then we have to record it. Now, uh, for those who don't know, I actually live in China. I live in a city called uh, Wuhan. It's a bit of um, on the outskirts of of China. And recently, the Chinese government, they've decided to screw with uh, Skype. So if you're noticing that uh, a couple couple episodes ago, you started hearing when Bahu talks, there's every now and then there's these small jumps. Well, that's because every minute or uh, Skype will pause for about eight seconds. Now I do my best to take out these pauses, but there's always going to be a little artifact there of some sort. Well, uh, I'm in Japan. I'm going to be seeing a lot of uh, freedoms, uh, a lot of big Japan. I'm going to be seeing a lot of death matches, and I'm going to be writing a lot about it on my website, which you can find at indiewrestlingintl.wordpress.com. I suggest every everyone go there, and I definitely want to give a massive shout out to Bahu. Uh, one for taking time and doing this show with me. I was telling a friend. He said, uh, "You know, you should," because he had never heard the the show. And he said, "You know, maybe Dave Meltzer would want to appear on your show." And I said, "What do I need Dave for? Dave didn't cover FMW in the way, ba- you know that that Bahu has. I mean, he's just the absolute perfect guy that you would ever want." And I also want to uh, send. Send you all to Bahu to Bahu's website fmwwrestling.us. It really is the greatest news source you could ever want for this time period. Uh, and even now, he still writes these incredibly lengthy updates about uh, FMW and a lot of the indie deathmatch scenes uh, going on right now. So, with all of that said, I just want to let every, every everybody know: if you don't see an episode for a few weeks, it's just, it's, it's just because I'm in India somewhere. Um, but I promise you, we are going to see this through to the end, all the way up through, uh, you know, we're going to do a show on Onita's retirement and the and FMW in 2018, and I just love doing these shows, so thank you guys for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the history of FMW. This is going to be episode number 10. We're going to cover the second half of 1993, and uh, this is going to start in July. Now, um, opening up in July, a company called Oriental Pro, they fold uh, at this time, they absorb uh, into Wing. Do you know what talent came from OP uh, from OPW to, to join Wing? Um, just Cassie. Uh, Kasuhiko uh, Matsuzaki and Hiroshi Itakura, I believe, are the only two guys. So it wasn't too much. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much to the promotion that, um, you know, they were really going to get out of anyway. So it was a, it was a struggling promotion from the start for a reason. Cool. Um, also, uh, at this time, Wing would start the tournament for their new heavy V weight championship on July uh, on July 11th, and it's ultimately won by Bill Demont, aka Crash the. Terminator, um, is there any reason why Crash was chosen to be the first champion over, you know, over the 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 bigger stars? Yeah, he um, he was thinking about going to the WWN promotion, um, which was an independent promotion, I believe, 
Paul Heyman actually was working for around that time period as well, or had at least. Um, and they were looking into making him one of the top guys. And so this was kind of Wing's way of being like, look, we'll make you top guy. We'll make you our first champion to, for him to stay. Cool. Um, now, uh, two more guys who are going to rejoin Wing on the July 11th show that we haven't heard a lot about is going to be Giotto and, and Gato. What are their careers like up to this point? Um, they pretty much kind of were with a lot of the, uh, universal wrestlers. Um, you know, they had worked the universal promotion, um, that Lucha Libre, uh, Japanese promotion in in 1990. And then they ended up going to Mexico, uh, work in Mexico for very little money, um, around 91, 92. And so, um, you know, this is kind of their way of coming back into Japan and making a name for themselves cool and also at this point leather their face disappears from uh the cards for wing what happened to mike mike uh kitchener Kirshner. Um, he ended up getting arrested. I, I forget the details. I could probably look it up for a future episode because I'm sure we'll talk about him again. Um, but I believe off the top of my head, uh, he ended up getting into a, a fight with a photographer at a restaurant. I believe the photographer was kind of being too pushy or something like that. Um, and Kirshner ended up punching him and getting arrested and ended up having, um, visa, you know, passport visa problems, um, pretty much the rest of his time in Japan. But he, yeah, so he ended up going to jail as a result. Um, but I, I could probably find the, uh, official details, um, down the line, but I believe it was him punching a photographer. Cool. Not cool for him. Uh, also <laughs> at this time, Dave wrote that, uh, now he, he just writes this. He says, because, because Pogo left. They're cancer. They're they're canceling international tours for some of uh, the wrestlers. What does one have to do with the other? I would think that they would have more money for the tours if Pogo left. Well, they don't. They want like Kanemura and all that. They want them back because Wing's going to run shows, and they don't want them missing any of their shows. They need everybody. You know, all, all hands on deck. We need everybody back because Pogo's gone. So anyone that could possibly help draw and fill the card out, we need them. We can't let them. You know, we can't afford them to be somewhere else anymore. All right. Cool. Um, now, uh, final wing note for the month is that um, Wing starts to advertise a show on August second. Uh, this is going to have a match between Matsunaga and Freddy Krueger, and it's going to be in a cage made of glass. Uh, we're going to talk about this idea for this match a couple more times throughout the month. Um, now, on July twenty fourth, FMW they would they would do another. Stadium show. They drew tw- they drew twelve thousand people to see Onita defeat Pogo in a no rope exploding barbed wire double hell death match. Uh, they keep adding more and more words to these matches. What does the double hell stand for? Double hell is uh, two explosive um, barbed wire boards outside the ring. So um, you know there's the two two different sides. So that's that's what double hell uh, means. Just two exploding barbed wire boards outside the ring cool and um the uh the people they drew twelve thousand. was this scene like was this a good draw for this uh show yeah it was it's you know it's not a very big stadium um it's uh so yeah i, mean, I don't know how much more it would fit actually i think it was almost filled up so it, it did really well right away it's uh, it's it's actually a really cool scene. Um, I've posted pictures of this uh, out of this show before. There's actually a giant uh, NASA uh, NASA uh, rocket ship right outside the building. Um, so you, like you're you're seeing you know the wrestlers wrestle, and right outside there's a big uh, space you know uh, a rocket ship right outside. But it was actually because um, NASA had a um, had its own kind of theme park right next to it and so they had their own life life life-size uh rocket ship so it's a really cool scene uh if you ever see the pictures um from the show but yeah it did really well um you know and it was the start of onita and pogo yeah this this feud still can draw yeah and it it draws and draws and draws for years (laughs) um now what are the storylines going in and coming out of the match Um, so Mr. Chin ends up, so pretty much what happened was, uh, we talked about last episode, Mr. Chin was brought in and, um, 
you know, he's he comes in to try and help Onita after Pogo attacks after the last Pogo attacks. Him, and, you know, is and so he blows fire on Mr. Chin. Um, you know, he's about to blow fire um, at Onita again on the back. And Eji Azaki actually rushes to the ring to cover Onita, try and, you know, stop Pogo from, uh, you, know, you know, burning him even farther. Cool. And um, also on this show, uh, Damien gets a new uh, uh, partner. It's a wrestler named Zombie. Do you know who who is Zombie? No, I don't know who he is. He's a T. I, I, I would imagine he's a Tijuana wrestler um, that just you know, you know they put a mask under. Um, but I don't know exactly who he was. But I would imagine he had a relationship with Damien in, um, based out of Tijuana. Also, uh, uh, also on this tour, making his debut is going to be Masato Masato Tanaka. Uh, Where did he train? And uh, if you just want to give a quick bio of him going forward. Um, he, he started in the FMW dojo. He was a rugby, um, you know, star in high school and he loved pro wrestling and he, um, you know, joined the dojo. Um, you know, Mr. Ganoske did a lot of training and helping him out, uh, getting started and everything. And, um, around this time period, he made his debut against Ricky Fuji. Um, and so pretty much for the next year or so, um, you know, he's just doing jobs or um defeating mr chin he wrestled mr chin a lot but um you know he, they see potential in him right away they you know and um he they see the talent and you know i mean he's only you know he starts at at the age of 20 and by 22 they're already focusing on him being the number two guy in the promotion okay finally to close out the month of july wing and and fmw they announced that they're going to enter into a working agreement uh, what are the terms of this agreement, and who does it affect in the uh, the the office roles of the companies? So I've never actually heard of this deal. I know um, Dave Meltzer reports it um, at the time. Um, there's no sign that this deal actually ever took place. Um, but what I would imagine is Wing reached out to them because they started um, hurting real bad. And, you know, they saw the interpromotional matches that they could do. They could do, you know, Onita versus Matsunaga, you know, FNW versus Wing. And, you know, they could share a part of the gate. So they probably saw that as a result. But, uh, you know, but nothing ended up ever happening. They never actually ended up working together. Okay, cool. Speaking of their downturn, uh, on Wing, they had their uh, their big show on August 2nd uh, between, uh, and the main event was going to be Matsu Tsunaga versus Freddy Krueger. This was changed from the glass cage match to a simple fire match, but it only drew, drew 1,200 people. Um, w- why is attendance so down? Is it is it simply because of Pogo, or are there other factors? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the, you know, it's the popularity kind of started to fade, you know, losing Mr. Pogo obviously hurt. Um, I don't know how much they really put into this show because it never actually even made uh, tape and a lot of their shows made tape. So I don't know how much really of focus this promotion was, whereas, you know, last year, the uh, Matsunaga Pogo fire death match was like their main show, you know, of the year, whereas this one, you know, does make tape so i don't think they really put too much into the show anyway but yeah like i said you know at this point losing pogo all right we you know it's it's they just kind of you know they they took a couple hits and they weren't able to kind of handle them pretty much and you know the popularity starts to decline at this point all right cool um, also, at this time, uh, ECCW in the U.S., they start to air this five-minute highlight reel of Wing for, for a few shows. Uh, what type of relationship are Wing and ECW developing? They work together. Um, you know, Matsunaga and the Headhunters came in around this time period. I'm going to guess it was through Victor Canones, um, you know, working with uh, Todd Gordon. Uh, but, yeah, Matsunaga worked a couple of ECW or – at least one. I don't know if he worked multiple, but, um, and I know that obviously the headhunters worked a couple shows, um, around this time period at the ECW arena. Uh, now, uh, when reading the results, this one stood out. It was on August 14th, FMW, they ran a show in Tokyo. It only drew 1200 people, which is a relatively small draw for them at this time. And it didn't have any of the stars. There was no Onita, no Pogo, no Goto or anything. And it was mostly a women's show. Uh, what kind of show was this? 
I don't really have that much information. I I would I found that results in a Japanese wrestling magazine, um, you know, and that was all that was listed were those results. And so I don't have really any other information. There's no pictures or anything like that to go from. But I'm just gonna guess that it was kind of like an expedition show where, and, and I'm gonna guess the 1200 number is a big time work also where they didn't really draw to 1200. But I'm gonna guess it was kind of an expedition where, hey, come here, we you know just watch the show, you know just see what our you know our wrestlers are like you know just kind of get their name out there i'm just guessing but that's the, the only information i have are just those results of the show that's what i thought as well i thought it was, i thought it was kind of like the the bjw shopping park shows where it's just uh come and see us try to get some new fans that was my guess as yeah. well um now uh this all led to on august 22nd fmw they ran a stadium show in osaka that drew over 32,000 people for another Onita versus Pogo match, this time in the in the exploding cage match, um, uh, is Onita and Pogo such a draw? Like, is that thirty two thousand number real? Yeah, it's real. It, it. I mean, they drew the biggest gate ever. Um, it's in Hio. Hyogo Osaka region. Uh, it was the biggest gate ever in Hyogo. Um, and, you know, they drew about $1.8 million for this show. It was a big, huge success. And, you know, it's, it's because of Onita versus Pogo, but also, you know, this is the very first ever exploding re, uh, cage death match. And, you know, I mentioned in the last episode uh, with the funk match, the explosives weren't that impressive. These explosives were really impressive. You know, the um, the image of how much the, the, the cage explodes and just, um, you know, it's great. It's actually the first ever FNW match I watched and it got me hooked right away just because like just this, th you know, this thrill the clock counting down and everything like that. And so this was a huge success all the way around. And again, you know, this is what set up for the, pretty much the rest of Onita Onita's time in FMW against Pogo where, you know, Hey, this match draws, let's see how we can, you know, we can carry it out here for the next couple of years because these, you know, the, these two guys are meant for each other. Good versus bad. Um, now when they do these exploding ring matches, uh, what, what is the big danger for the wrestlers and also the fans, and how many seats are they giving up by having to push the fans back? All right. So um, I don't know exactly how many, but, I mean, you know, they're obviously giving up chairs where they can just put down, you know, chairs next to the ring. They're giving up those seats. But, I mean, as far as actual, like, built-in seats in the stadium, you know, the stadiums are already so far back, uh, you know, from the ring itself that they're not actually pushing any, you know, permanent seats back. They're just giving away seats, uh, you know, or chairs. And so, I mean, it's definitely worth it, you know, because the explosions are, you know, such a draw and everything. And as far as danger, I mean, there's really not that much danger, you know, I mean, as far as the actual explosions, you know, in the ring, those are kind of contained. The only, um, you know, obviously the, the barbed wire aspect or, you know, hitting, you know, hitting the explosions, those, you know, will cut you up and, you know, and everything. But as far as the actual explosives, it's not too dangerous. The only thing really is the smoke that you got to deal with. Yeah, Funk uh, Funk said that, that that the worst part is after y you uh, you can't breathe from all of the smoke, which I would imagine. Um, and you do mm -hmm. see little bits of shit all over the ring during these matches, so it, it's it's definitely dangerous as far as that goes. Um, now this match was for the FMW Brass Knuckles t uh, title. Wh why did they change titles, and what happened to the WWA World Title? Well, it was the WWA martial arts title, you know, because around that time, Onita was going up against Spinks and, you know, Gregory Verichichev, you know, so he's having these mixed martial arts, uh, you know, martial, uh, matches against martial arts, you know, judo and boxers and everything. At this point, you know, it's going to just be death matches and everything. And, you know, they had already originally had, you know, the the, the WWA breast knuckles title when they started. So it was kind of a combo of, you know, let, let's have our own title, our own FMW title. Let's, you know, we're not going to, we're not really doing martial arts matches anymore. Let's go back to brass knuckles. That's kind of the sign of, you know, street fight and everything like that. Um, so, you know, it's just a way of creating their own title for the first time. Very cool. Um, also on this show, Terry Funk re returned to team with Goto to take on Sheik and Sabu. Um, you kind of talked about it last uh, uh, last time, but what are the terms of Funk coming back and what are the feelings towards Onita to do this match? 
Well, they brought him back as a face at this point. Um, so, you know, I mean, they, you know, they pay him a good deal amount of money for this tour and everything. And, you know, they had him go up against Leon Spinks on this tour. And, uh, you know, so they had money matches and everything like that. And, you know, and, and obviously the fans love funk. So, you know, it was just kind of a way of just drawing, you know, new, you know, old all Japan from the eighties fans in and, um, you know, so it pretty much, you know, it was a win-win, and but they weren't gonna actually with Funk as a face and Onita, you know, they weren't actually gonna have another match or anything like that. Like Onita specifically wanted Funk to kind of be the number two face, um, you know, below him. All right, cool. Now, um, also on this show, uh, there's a couple new guys. There's a wrestler doing an Onita Onita Junior gimmick. Uh, what is this gimmick, and who and who is it? That was Akihito uh, Ichihara, who who had been with FNW um, pretty much from the start. Um, you know, he had just came back from Mexico, um, and that's he was doing the Onita Junior gimmick, um, and it's pretty much just he's wearing. Um, the blue tights with the Onita word on it and, you know, the white, uh, you know, the white shirt and everything. So it's just kind of like a miniature Onita gimmick for the undercard. Um, you know, he would end up, um, Onita Jr. would um, end up becoming Flying Kid Ichihara, uh, which he's probably most well known for. All right, cool. And um, also de- also debuting on the tour as a team called Cockroaches. There's Cockroach number one and two. Who are they? That was Damien and uh, the zombie. Again, I don't really okay. remember. I, I don't really know who the zombie was. I believe he's a Tijuana, you know, wrestler that was friends with Damien that Damien brought in. But um, that was yeah, Damien and the zombie under mask. Okay, cool. And um, and finally, on August twenty eighth in Kurokin FMW, they had a main event that was listed as a cage elimination match. I'm guessing that this was a penalty box match. Yeah, it was a penalty box. There wasn't, there was no cage, so they would have done a penalty box uh, match or uh, where the cage was outside the ring. That's what I was wondering if it was an actual cage, but I, as far as I know, they never did one at uh, Kurokin. Um, not with Onita. No, they they did it in '97, but not not during the Onita era. Cool. Um, now uh, going over to Wing really quickly on um, on August 25th, Wing held a doubleheader at Kur. Kurokin Hall. It's listed as two two separate shows. It's a day and a night show. The day show was called Best Champ, and the night show was called Hollywood Nightmare. Um, do you know anything about these shows? Yeah. So the uh, the the the, the afternoon there was two shows: the afternoon and the evening show. The afternoon show was uh, Freddy Krueger, Jado, and Ghetto. Um, you know, as the heel group defeating uh, Miguel Perez, uh, Matsunaga, and Kanemura in a uh, War Games uh, cage match. And then the there was an evening show, and that was uh, Kevin Sullivan versus uh, Kanemura, as well as a Captain Falls street fight with um, Nakamaki and, and Freddy Krueger as the captains. So it was just two different separate shows. Um, it's probably cheaper to run that way, um, I'm guessing. All right, cool. Yeah, one of the wrestlers said that um, he was telling me that because of uh, because of the the rental time, they have barely enough time to get the the ring out after shows are done so that the next show can come in and start to set up. Um, so yeah, I, anyway. Yeah. When wrestlers, when wrestlers go to Corrigan, like, you know, when they to set up and everything, like if there's a show earlier, usually the wrestlers that were there, uh, in, in the earlier show, uh, you know, are still there getting ready to get out and everything. Yeah. And, and they start to take down the ring. Like once there's that three count, the young boys go in and you, and you'll see them start to take down the ring. Cause they got to hurry and get out of there for the next show. Um, in, uh, in a bit of shocking news, uh, Matsunaga announced at a wing show that he would be leaving for FMW full time. Uh, what is the reaction from the fans and the company and what led to him leaving? Uh, well, the reason he left was because again, FMW, you know, as a result of the Pogo thing, you know, the success of it, they decided they were going to steal Matsunaga as well. And they, so they offered Matsunaga, uh, $10,000 a month. So he would make $120,000 a year, um, and that was way more than he was making at Wing. He ended up going from a small apartment that he was living in uh, while in Wing to a luxurious apartment, um, you know, based off how much money he was making with FMW. So he was pretty much the only reason was the pay. Um, and um, what resulted was the Wing Wing was really upset over this one. I think even more so than Pogo because Pogo originally had been with FMW and it hurt, but it wasn't like an emotional like. But the Wing guys were upset. 
Kanemura and all of them come to the ring and to announce that Matsunaga is gone and the fans kind of start like, what, really? Like, you're going to, you know, you're he's gone also. And but then they see like Kanemura crying and breaking down and they, you know, they, you know, the kind of the upsetness of of Matsunaga leaving, you know, they end up seeing how, you know, upset Kanemura is and just kind of, you know, it kind of becomes a sympathy thing of, okay, well, you know, he's gone. It's not their fault. So, uh, but yeah, it really upset, uh, you know, the wing guys and um, Victor Canones um, cuts a promo actually um, where he pretty much called Anita a piece of shit, a piece of shit thief as a result. So, you know, they were pretty upset over Matsunaga getting stolen away. Yeah. Um, and um, and I'm guessing the the rumors from the previous episode of FMW and Wing working working together are pretty much dead at this point, as FMW can just take anybody if they really want them. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, and Wing is struggling at this point too. And I think you know probably Matsunaga is also seeing the writing on the wall of this promotion. I don't know if this promotion is going to be around much longer. Yeah. Um, we have two new companies that are worth talking about. Uh, Dave reports that Ryumago, the, f- the owner of the former Senshei Pro, where Onita kind of made his comeback back in the 80s, um, he's opening a federation using using talent from the Portland area. Does this uh, federation ever get off the ground? Um, so Ryumago kind of created a couple promotions around this time period, so I'm not exact. I, I believe it was just Go Gundam I'm gonna uh, um, that he created. He also created a promotion called IWA Kasugi uh, around this time period, which was just a bunch of mask guys in him. So I believe that you know. So he's creating you know several companies at this time. They're all failing, but he you know he trying his hardest to try and keep his name out there. And uh, and finally, uh, Dave notes that the SPWF uh, is uh, is a new company that's that that that's now running, and they're in a working alliance with Wing. Do you know anything about the uh, SPWF? That was the Social Pro Wrestling uh, Federation. It was run by Yoshi, Yoshiaki Yatsu, who was a former All Japan wrestler, and it's pretty much um, it's kind of a way of. Uh, it's it's a very low in indie rest, uh, wrestling promotion. A lot of former wing wrestlers after the uh, wing promotion eventually closes. It um, you know they they take them in the IWA Japan promotion. Same thing. Um, you know a lot of former All Japan wrestlers. It's kind of like where you know when you when your promotion dies, this is where you go the SPWF until you find a better home essentially. So it, there wasn't. I mean it never was any real popular. They ran Corrigan Hall a couple times, but it was it never really gained traction um for like four the four years it was around cool um and uh so going into september dave notes that funk is putting on a self-promoted show in amarillo it's going to be on i think it's on his ranch and it's going to feature himself versus Spinx, and he'll also be airing the onita versus funk match and um dave notes that on uh that that funk wants to do a rematch including the gimmick some uh some of, of some sort in 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 Texas, um, how far along did this get in the idea of bringing Onita into the states to do a rematch? Not very far. Um, I don't think I don't think Onita would have wanted to have done it. I don't think. I think Onita probably would have done the job, and I don't think he wanted to do that. Um, I think that it wouldn't have really... I mean, I don't know the seating situation because it would have been Funk's ranch and everything. Um, I don't think it really ever had legs, and it never really, you know, it never really came close to happening, and I don't think... I think Funk wanted to do it, and I don't think Onita really wanted to do it. All right, cool. Now, uh, Matsunaga debuted for FMW on September 1st in Sapporo. What were the circumstances of his debut? So he comes in the ring um, and after the match and attacks Onita, starts laying kicks to him and everything like that, and joins up with Pogo. And at this time, you know, before this, it was Pogo's army. His group was, you know, his group was his own, own you know, under his name. Um, you know, they kind of start the, you know, and... Matsunaga, you know, joining, and they kind of start to have a Wing vibe going here now. Um, but they legally couldn't use the name Wing because Wing was still going on. But it was kind of like, hey, here's the the Wing group that's just, you know, called Pogo's Army. And um, so, and this is to set up Matsunaga, uh, Onita, the dream match. Cool. Uh, speaking of that, um, jumping ahead a little bit, on September 15th, uh, Matsunaga had his debut match teaming with Pogo to face uh, Onita, and they announced that they're going to have a match on December 8th, 
and the and the and once again they're going to announce that it's going to be this glass cage match. Um, but it's eventually changed to a normal exploding, bar, uh, exploding bar, bar, barbed wire match. Now, um, this glass cage I've always been really interested in. I've seen it a few times, and uh, Matsunaga at they uh, uh, at one point. CZW actually was trying to promote a match between Matsunaga and Pondo that was going to be this exploding glass cage match. Do you know anything about this? You know, whose idea is it and why have they never been able to to do it? Um, well, it was Anita's idea. Like, he wanted to do it. I don't know the exact details. I, I know, like, 20 years ago, I heard the details, but I'm not sure how legit they were. But essentially, what they wanted to do was, yeah, like, have, have a cage made out of glass. And... Um, you know, and it, there'd be explosions and everything like that, but I don't, I don't think the logistics, it was ever really going to work out. And I think that's why it's never happened. I mean, it, I, I think it's one of those things, you know, where you, you know, it's, it's even kind of hard to picture it. So how, how, you know, it's even more difficult to actually get it done. So. Yeah. It sounds like a death trap. Um, uh, the only thing that ever came close was actually Matsunaga and Zandig. They had a match in around 2004 or so where they had glass in the corners, and when you would go through, there would be a, a little boom in the corner. That's as close as they ever got, but it always seemed like, it seemed like Matsunaga was always trying to do the do this match somehow, but it just never happened. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, in other news, uh, FMW at this time, they, they announced that uh, the, themselves and Mishinoku Pro... They're going to do a split tournament to create a world independent ju uh, a world independent junior title, which it, which will be defended between both companies, and it's actually still defended in DDT uh, now. Uh, what are the logistics of two companies sharing a belt? Well, what happened actually was so it was um, yeah two it was two separate brackets of the tournament there was the michinoku side and then there was the fmw side and then um the so you know all the michinoku guys faced each other all the fmw guys faced each other um you know it ends up going to the great sasuke ends up winning it uh winning the tournament and um you know he ends up defending it in michinoku pro he ends up uh vacating it about a year later or so and and it pretty much becomes solely an FMW uh, title at the time. Sasuke ends up winning it again, um, but he ends up defending it in FMW. And F it, it stays with FMW throughout, um, you know, the Onita era and into um, eventually it kind of, you know, eventually uh, Taka Michinoku ends up winning it, taking it to Mexico. And um, FMW actually brings it back for one show and then decides, well, we don't want in 99. And they decide they don't want it anymore. And after that, it's just become the official independent where, you know, independent uh, title where every promotion has gotten a share of it. Freedoms, uh, Kai and Tai Dojo, you know, now, now DDT, every promotion, it just becomes, you know, uh, their their junior heavyweight title pretty much every, uh, you know, about um, for about a year or so. Very cool. Um, now, on September 26th in Wing News, uh, they run a show where uh, Jado uh, defeated Kanemura for the WWC Caribbean title. Uh, during the finish, they light a bat on fire, and they do a bunch of spots with the fire. Um, who is pushing Wing to use fire so much, and, there, and is, there anyone, is there anyone pushing back? Um, pretty much, I would imagine it's Mickey Ibaragi, um, you know, on, with Victor Canones, uh, you know, coming up with the idea because how can we compete with FMW that are doing these expensive, you know, explosions and everything like that? How can we come off as a dangerous promotion? How can we, you know, press the line and not have to spend that much money? Well, fire is cheap, so let's do that. And, you know, Kanemura is the one pretty much taking all these fire bumps and everything for the most part, you know, Matsunaga, you know, they have guys that are willing to go through this kind of pain. They're willing to put their body on the line. And, you know, it's not everybody. It's just specific guys that are willing to take these crazy, um, you know, dangerous risk. Cool. Um, back into FMW News on September 27th. Uh, there is a show where Masaru Toy and Benke, uh, they debut attacking Onita. Okay. Benke was... Uh, had Hideki Hosaka, um, he had originally started up uh, with Wing and then um, dropped out after the whole uh, martial arts split that and we talked about in late 91. Um, and he 
uh, was working with the PWC promotion. And so he gets, a, um, he gets in contact with FMW. Um, and then Masaru Atoy was a guy that was with wing. Um, so it's pretty much, you know, they got better offers to join a bigger promotion and they took it. Um, and they end up joining the, uh, Pogo army. Cool. Um, also on September 28th, uh, in mission Oku pro Onita team, uh, Onita, excuse me, Onita teamed with, uh, Sasuke to take on Pogo and Jinsei Shinzaki. Does FMW's popularity help these companies draw more fans? Yeah, well, especially the Onita Pogo thing. Um, you know, I mean, that's still a drawing feud, especially at this time period. It's, you know, it's the hottest. It's, it's probably the hottest it ever was at this point. And so, you know, Michinoku Pro is still a small promotion. So to kind of have, you know, two big, you know, stars in Onita and Pogo in mixed in with the Shinzaki Sasuke feud that was going on at the time, you know, it it did really bit uh, did really good business for Michinoku Pro, like I said, with, which was a small promotion at the time. Cool. Um, and uh, just to uh, to bring him up, uh, uh, Jinsei Shinzaki will go on to have kind of a big role uh, in this show going forward. Um, if you can tell us a little bit about him at, at this point. Yeah, he started up in uh, the Universal promotion, Universal uh, Lucha Libre promotion, you know, like Sasuke did. Um, he started up as, as uh, Mongolia Mongolian Yuga. Um, and then, you know, once Michinoku got started and everything, they brought him in and he was so much bigger than all the other wrestlers. So he kind of was the top heel at the time and the unstoppable, you know, the unstoppable heel, the monster heel pretty much where all the guys couldn't, you know, he no sold all the other smaller wrestlers and, you know, to set up his match with, uh, the great Sasuke. That was the key feud, you know, going forward in that promotion. Cool. And um, uh, and finally, one more new wrestler on, on this tour is is, uh, is someone going by the name the American. Uh, do you know who it was? Um, Mel Dave Meltzer reports it as Crazy Boy. I tried looking that up who Crazy Boy was because I know there's Crazy Boy. Um, you know that's the you know cousin or you know re related to Super Crazy. Um, but you know, this definitely isn't him, but I could not find any information on a crazy boy wrestler from the nineties. Um, so I would imagine, but I would imagine, um, you know, it was American wrestler that, uh, was working Mexico at the time, but I don't have ex any exact information on who, uh, crazy boy was. Uh, now, uh, teaming with the American is a wrestler named bull rider. Who is that? That was Rey Mysterio Sr., who um, was Rey Myster is Rey Mysterio Jr.'s uncle, um, and he was, uh, you know, a Tijuana wrestler um, that FMW had uh, good connections with, um, and ended up uh, playing a big role uh, later on in helping um, certain uh, the helping the wrestlers in uh, the FMW wrestlers that would go to Tijuana, helping them learn the uh, lucha libre style. Uh, now, going into uh, October, um, on October 2nd, just a, a few notes. Uh, Miguel Perez and the Headhunters, they would no-show on ECW event. Uh, and and also, in er, uh, on, on October 3rd, the NOW per, uh, company, they announced they are closing. They draw about 100 people for a main event with Tiger Jeet Singh. So NOW is now dead for the most part. And also, at the beginning of October, FMW announces that, that AG... Excuse me. FMW announces that Eiji Azaki will be taking a year to wrestle abroad. Um, now, where will he be going? So um, he, he he gets told he's going to Tijuana, and um, he um, he. he he isn't really given very much information though. It's just, you're going to go to Tijuana and you're going to wrestle there. And so he sent to Tijuana and he ends up, you know, living with Damien, um, you know, who was working in FMW at the time and everything, but he has no bookings. And so he, for the first couple months is just living in Mexico, going to the beach, working out, um, living with Damien pretty much and not getting any bookings at all. And so FMW set, you know, didn't really set him up to, you know, they didn't have a deal with any promotion specifically. They just said, Hey, go live with Damien in Tijuana pretty much. Um, you wrote, uh, a couple, I don't want to say funny stories, but a couple odd stories from when he first got there. Uh, what happened when he first, first got there? 
Well, actually, let me tell you a story real quick. Um, and this is, you know, pretty much well known from uh, Shoshi Arai's book. The reason that Azaki um, is sent there, and th- again, this is just what Shoshi Arai is, states in his book. So, um, but Shoshi Arai states that Azaki was sent there as a result of Onita being jealous of Azaki because whenever they'd go out to the, uh, the clubs and everything after the shows, Azaki would get all the girls instead of Onita, and Arai stated that Onita was always was jealous of Azaki and um, pretty much you know wanted him to get out of there as a result. Azaki gets there and. He uh, lands at the airport and he is just waiting and he's just waiting and he's just waiting. And, you know, Damien's supposed to pick him up. Nothing. He just for four hours go by and um, he ends up finally, you know, Damien ends up finally showing up and he offers no, I'm sorry, no, nothing. Just, you know, hey, here I am. And so the relationship already kind of starts off on a bad end. And while Izaki is there, you know, he, and he's not working, he's just working out at the beach, getting a tan, you know, he's not doing nothing, not getting paid for anything. Um, he, you know, he's like, Damien, when are you, you going to get me booked? Are you going to get me booked? And Damien's like, yeah, sure, I, I am. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it. Nothing ever ends up happening until Izaki ends up having to be like, hey, what the hell? You told me you were going to get me booked. Like, why not? And Damien's like, well, why, why is any promotion going to book you? The, you know, Eiji Azaki, who are you? Like, they're not going to book, you know, just some random Japanese guy. you got to come up with your own gimmick. And so, you know, being in Mexico and everything like that, Azaki decides, okay, I'm going to come up with my own, um, you know, with my own gimmick, you know, based off the Lucha Libre style and everything with a mask. And he ends up staying up all night and, you know, uh, creating his own style of mask and everything. And, um, him and Damien go to a mask uh, creator uh, in Mexico and he shows him the mask and it's this unique style that no one has. And the mask guy is like, uh, I can't do this. I'm not going to make this mask. This is like, uh, 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 this is like no other mask that's ever been made. There's, you know, you see, there's no top, you know, all other masks, you know, cover the hair. This mask doesn't cover the hair. Um, and, and, you know, Azaki's like, I want this mask. This is the mask I want. Can you make it? He's like, fine, I'll make it. Yeah, sure. I can make any, you know, this guy is a very, very talented mask creator. And um, so he ends up, um, you know, eventually making the mask. It goes, you know, Azaki's going through a whole bunch of drama as, you know, with dealing with this guy. And, and that's the issue he's dealing with, it seems like, where it's just, you know, uh, pushback and everything. And so he finally comes up with, the, you know, with the mask and whatnot. And he comes up with the name Hayabusa. And he names, you know, he names it after um, pretty much a, uh, there's a Japanese uh, theme park and it's called the Hayabusa. It's one of the fastest roller coasters. And, um, you know, he, it, it's kind of the theme, you know, you know, this fast falcon bird. And that's what he, you know, kind of wanted to portray. So he, you know, and it's only for Mexico when he, you know, comes back to FMW. The plan is for him to, you know, go back to Eji Ozaki And but, you know, um, so eventually he ends up getting booked a couple shows in Tijuana as a result wearing, you know, with his Hayabusa attire. And I mean, it's a pretty cool design. Uh, you know, it's, you know, and I know everyone's seen it and whatnot, but it definitely stands out. And it's one of the reasons that he got so popular. Uh, throughout his career. Now, um, what are like? What is the history and the intent with uh, the Japanese companies sending the talent out on these foreign excursions? It's pretty much just to um, get them seasoning, you know, learn a different style. You know, um, I've made mention before, you know, Izaki was doing a moonsault. So he'd already established, you know, he could do these high flying type of, you know, high flying type of matches. And um, so let's get him train in the lucha libre style and you know they sent out um they sent uh you know they sent other wrestlers to mexico as well so it wasn't just izaki but it was kind of the ones that they saw potential in becoming a high flyer that they weren't going to learn that high flying style you know or master it in japan and you know um under their teachers so go to mexico and you know learn that style so izaki actually had to relearn how to work and he trained with Rey mysterio senior um you know he took lucha libre classes um you 
you know, while in Mexico. And he had to take the novice class, um, you know, with the little kids, the six. So he's learning how to wrestle with seven, you know, seven, eight, nine year olds and everything. And he's super embarrassed. You know, here I am a two year experienced wrestler, you know, professional wrestler. And here I am rolling around with, you know, kids, but he had to learn the style, you know, and he was never going to learn that style in Japan with FMW. Very cool. Now, um, going back into some normal news, on October 15th, uh, FMW ran a show that had the debuts of Hosaka and Kuroda. Now, uh, we've already discussed Hosaka, but where did Kuroda come from? He was from the uh, the um, Pro Wrestling Crusaders promotion as well. After it folded, the, all their guys were just trying to find homes, and Kuroda found a home with FMW. You know, he had to start back up in the, do- in the FMW dojo uh, and everything like that. So he pretty much had to start back square one um, after PWC closed down. Cool. And he's still going to this day along with Tanaka. Um, also at this time, Dave notes that the foreigners who, you know, uh, for the past couple of years, the main events have been uh, Onita versus, you know, Spinks, the Gladiator, uh, Gregory Verichev. Um, and now all of those foreigners are now being pushed down to the mid card and less and less foreigners are 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 coming in and also i noticed there's less and less new stars each month um is there any animosity from the foreigners over losing their 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 uh i'm guessing high paying spots well um like the the likes of the Gladiator and Big Titan were still making, you know, the regulars that were working every tour and everything, they were still making about the same that, you know, the same amount of money. So, you know, they might be pushed down the card or now, you know, the Gladiator is, you know, Mr. Pogo's number two guy, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so there's no real issue with that. With with the likes of Gregory Virashev and, you know, Leon Spinks and everything like that, it, they're kind of, you know, thought of as like, okay, we've already done that. You know, we like them, um, you know, but we're not going to pay them top level money anymore. They're not top level guys. Onita's already, you know, had the feud and beat them and everything like that. So if they want to come in, you know, for less money, you know, and work, you know, the mid cards and everything, you know, they can. And, you know, and Gregory Ver chef you know, did for you know a good time period after his feud with Onita, but um, you know, yeah, there was less money because the money was now going to Matsunaga. It was now going to Pogo, you know, and that's because that's where the money matches were at this point. Um, you've mentioned that Pogo and Matsunaga they were getting you know ten to thirteen grand per week. Uh, what is that money like compared to what guys like you know Godo are getting? Um, I don't know exactly. I mean, I would imagine that it's probably more, uh, you know, I would imagine that Goto's probably, uh, I would imagine Goto's making Matsunaga money. I don't think he's making Pogo money at this point. Um, so, but I, I really don't know how much, um, Goto was making. I, I, but I would have just imagined due to the level of status where they were, because Goto was still above, uh, Matt was, uh, was above Matsunaga, but not above Pogo. Um, now, uh, going forward, on October 28th, uh, the great Sasuke defeated Battle Ranger to win the World Independent Junior title. Uh, are there plans for Sasuke to start joining the FMW tours? Um, not really. Um, I mean, well, he would wrestle, but kind of more of having Michinoku matches, um, like... You know, where he would take, you know, six man tags and everything like that against Shinzaki, where it would be kind of like Michinoku matches on the FMW card more than, you know, Sasuke versus, uh, you know, Mr. Pogo or anything like that. Um, You know, eventually Sasuke would, you know, begin just working against FMW guys. But, you know, in 93, early 94, it was just, you know, Michinoku matches on the FMW cards. And on October 31st, uh, Matsunaga defeated Onida in a captain's fall match in Kuroken Hall. Um, I'm just curious, what are the fans' reaction to Matsunaga taking the spot? Like, is he a babyface? Is he a heel? Are the fans angry that he's taking a spot? No, I mean, he's he's over as a heel. Uh, you know, it's kind of seen as FNW versus Wing at this point. And, you know, Matsunaga's playing full-on heel. He's got vampire uh, teeth, you know, fangs and everything. He's got this blood gimmick of, you know, biting his opponents and, you know, um, and everything. So he's full-on heel at this point, um, you know, to set up the, the, the match with Onita in December. Um, now, also on this uh, tour... No. Um, the opening match uh, features a guy named uh, the Dark Ranger. Uh, who, 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 excuse me. Who? Excuse me. Who is this? 
Uh, that was Nanjo Hayato. Um, he was coming from Pro Wrestling Crusaders as well. Um, and he stayed with FMW for a good amount of time. He um, he ended up, you know, un- he uh, became a face with a different mask and everything. And then um, he ended up eventually taking the mask off. He got pretty over as kind of like a light heavyweight, you know, m- a guy that would do, you know, moonsaults off a ladder and everything during barbed wire matches. Um, so he was, you know, somewhat popular. Um, he ended up leaving FMW and going to Osaka pro as miracle man. A lot of people know him, you know, through his Osaka pro. Uh, he also did a tour with new Japan in the, uh, he had competed in the best of super junior, um, tournament one year. So he's been around and I mean, he's still actively wrestling in Osaka today. So, um, I mean, he's not a big name or anything like that, but he's a name that's, you know, been around for a, go- a good amount of time. Also on Halloween in, Odawara, uh, Wing had, I think, one of their most famous matches ever, where uh, uh, Gato and uh, Jado they defeated, they defeated Shoji Nakamaki and Kanemura. Now, this is the famous fire match. Um, I'll let you go into it, but how does this match compare to the Onita Sheik tag match, and what are the major injuries coming out of it? Well, this one's different in the, you know, they, they don't have the ring necessarily on fire. They kind of have just fire around the ring and everything like that. So it's not like the FNW situation where, you know, the ring catches on fire. But what they do instead is, um, you know, Kanemura is, has gotten popular based off how crazy he's willing to be, how much punishment he's willing to take. You know, that's where his popularity goes. So he goes, you know, I can, you know, I'll take it one step farther. So what they do is they have Shadow and Ghetto. Uh, pour gasoline on the map uh, or on the ring mat, and then they uh, light the mat on f- uh, fire, and then they power bomb Kenamura on the fire, and the spot goes horribly wrong. The fire uh, engulfs Kenamura all over his back, stays with him. He's rolling out of the ring. The fire's still on him. Everyone's freaking out. They're throwing uh, towels, trying to pat down the, the fire. You know, I mean, it stayed on him for a good couple seconds and it was bit uh, you know big fireball you know just stuck on his back pretty much and they're pouring water and uh the referee calls the match and rewards you know Jado and Ghetto for the win and Kenimer is screaming in uh I mean in horrible pain he is in you know this is one of the most you know painful uh, scenes I've seen as far as a wrestler and what their body, ha- you know, what happens to their body. And he ends up, uh, 75% of his back gets, um, burnt. Um, you know, I've seen pictures weeks later where his entire back is pretty much just, just gone. It's just been completely burnt off. Um, and he's out of action and, you know, Kenner is not someone that w- wants to take off. Uh, he ends up, you know, missing pretty much a good four or five months as a result b- due to this back injury. And I mean, and this, this injury stayed with him for years as well. Yeah. I've always, um, it, if you've seen it, you've seen it. You, you know, I, I've never seen a man engulfed in flames outside of some type of action movie. You hear, Oh, he got burnt on 75% of, his back, but I never saw the photos. And then they're on your, you know, for anyone who wants to see them, there are photos on Bahu's uh, website that are chilling. Um, uh, and final, um, also in wing news, uh, on this tour, uh, I saw the debut of Hito Takayama. I didn't put two and two together, but, uh, this became, uh, 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 Hito. Uh, if you can tell us a little bit about Hito, uh, up to this point. He, he started up a wing at this point, you know, he would, he, um, came up through the wing. Um, and then after wing, uh, eventually closes down, he ends up finding a job with FMW, which is probably he's best known for, but you know, this is where he got his start and why he was always in the wing Alliance with, uh, Kanemura and Hosaka. And he, he also went on to marry Megumi Kudo, which is a big win for him. Yep. <laughs> Um, and, uh, finally, just a quick note, cause I'm always curious about the, about the smaller companies, uh, pro wrestling crusaders, they drew 200 fans for a spike nail death match between power X and Shinji Takano. Um, you've talked about them a little bit Were pro wrestling crusaders also doing the hardcore style. Um, I believe so. I'm not too much, uh, I'm not too knowledgeable on this promotion, but yeah, I think that they would, you know, have have a death match or two every so often, but I don't think it was a death match promotion. Yeah. I've never even heard of them until this show. And, um, it's funny that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of guys are coming over from this company to either wing or FMW. So it was just kind of interesting. Um, 
Go it ahead. Actually, yeah, it actually lasted for a while. I mean, it you know, I think different versions, but there was there's been like a pro wrestling crusaders promotion, the smallest of indies for like decades, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 feels like in Japan promotions never die. They always just keep getting rebranded and renamed and brought back and everything. Um, which we're gonna see uh in a minute. Um so going into November, uh Dave noted that Sabu had a WWF tryout match against Owen Hart, um, and they, uh, the WWF, they made an, uh, an offer for him to come in full-time, but he turned down their, their offer. Uh, why would he turn down their offer? It wasn't that much. Uh, he was making more in FMW, so why, you know, why burn your bridge with with Onita, who's paying you more and is the one that kind of, you know, got your name out there and everything for this WWF job that's not, you know, not offering as much money. So it was just kind of too, you know, like, why am I going to burn bridges when I don't have to? All right, and... Um... I loved reading this. At the end of November, Dave writes that uh, Onita got uh, got an offer to participate in the Royal the Royal Rumble in 1994, um, but he ultimately turned it down. Uh, first, his his claim was that Onita was going to do an appearance for ECCW, and then later that turned into he had to turn it down because he was going to film a movie. Um, how much of this is real, and like, what's the real story behind this? Uh, I mean, he. He was in movies, so, um, I mean, I would imagine that's the case. Um, I don't think he just, just was lying, randomly making things up. So I would imagine, you know, and he was making movies around this time period. So um, I, I would imagine that that is the case now. He might have, you know, lied a couple times or whatnot, you know, to get around it. But I think at the end of the day, he was filming a movie. Okay, and um, and also, um, do you know about the story that Onita claimed that he's been invited to WrestleMania in 2018? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. He gave an, an interview where he claims that he's got an invitation to go to Mania and be a featured mm. guest. Um, anyway, uh, what well, type of we'll movies... <laughs> I'm sorry? I said, we'll see. Yeah, um, I would pop for it. I don't it. believe that. I mean, I would be shocked if it, I would be shocked if it happens, but, Same. you know, it'd be interesting. <laughs> um, now, um, I'm, I'm curious, what type of movies are Onita doing? action movies where he's the top guy the the hero and saves the girl um you know at the end and you know against the bad guy he actually there's one of the movies he actually has a sex scene in where um he's you know um playing with her breast and everything like that like i haven't seen any of his movies um other than one with megumi kudo which that you know that was an fmw kind of uh related movie but there's one where yeah he's just this hero and he it has his own sex scene and everything in it, so um, kind of fill his ego. <laughs> um, also in FMW News in November, uh, one of the debuting people is going to be Gosaku Gosaku Gosho Goa Goshu Goawara. Goshu Goera. Goshu Goera. Yeah. Who was this? Uh, he's an FMW dojo boy. Um, he came in, you know, around this time period. Um, not very good, kind of awkwardly lengthy, you know, tall. Um, like I said, never really was a good worker. He's still around to this day working shows uh, um, every so often. Um, but, you know, and he he's probably most famous known for um, having the Mr. Pogo 2 gimmick after Mr. Pogo uh, originally retired. Um, but, yeah, at this point, he's just a dojo boy who um, is, uh, I mean, the boys like him, but by no means were they ever, you know, is he ever really pushed as a serious wrestler. Um, some new faces in Wing are going to be uh, the Moon the the Moon Dogs. Um, I've always heard a lot about them, but what, I don't know that much about them. Uh, they were around in Memphis, um, and, and they did work WWF in the '80s or so. I mean, it's just kind of two lunatic, crazy guys with a bone in their mouth, big beards, uh, you know, just acting like insane, crazy guys, pretty much. Very cool. And um, and uh, finally, in November news, Kendo Nagasaki announced that they have a new young investor, and they're going to restart the NOW. Um, do you know where this restart leads, and who is the the investor in it? I don't know the investor. I know that it leads to it closing down uh, probably like a year later. Or so so it doesn't. It's not a successful promotion, and uh, eventually leads to uh, the creation of Big Japan. That's what I'm mainly That's waiting for. 
Um, to uh, uh, to round out the year on December eighth, uh, FMW they ran their show where Onita defeated Matsu Naga in a um, it's just a simple exploding barbed wire match. But um, apparently the match has a lot of complaints from the fans. Uh, do you know Do you know any, Do you know anything about the reaction to the match? Well, the match itself wasn't very good. And, um, you know, and they were expecting, you know, this dream death match and everything. And, you know, the funk match, uh, Kawasaki and the pogo match, uh, Hiyogo were outside stadium shows. So they were able to have like, you know, exploding rings and everything. And then here you have, you know, this is supposed to be the dream match, the two death match icons. And it's just an exploding barbed wire match. And it's a bad match. There's no heat. The, you know, being inside, you can't really do as much. Um, the card as well, um, you know, it's this is probably the biggest FW card at this point as far as matches. There's so many different matches. So the show goes on forever and ever and ever to lead up to this match. It's kind of, you know, dull, disappointing. Um, so it, it was, you know, just all all the way around. It was, a um, you know, not a success for FMW as far as just, you know, popularity goes. All right, um, and I'm curious, how long does it take them to set up the ring for the explosion matches? Uh, about 20, 20 minutes or so. I mean, oh, okay. I, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's too much difference um, than the barbed wire matches themselves. And you know, usually it's just they're going to take an intermission, and you know, fifteen twenty minutes later they'll have it set up. Well, it's compared to you know when CZW runs the Cage of Death, they're notorious for taking almost two hours to set up the cage, and by then. The crowd just wants to go home and go to bed, you know? So I was just kind of curious about that. Uh Well, that about does it for 1993. Uh, We'll come back with 1994 where there's some new players in the game and a lot of uh, political stuff going on. It's a very exciting time. And um, that's about it. Uh, Brett, do you want to – we didn't cover it, but there's going to be that retirement match for Onita's uh, student uh, Sase or Sase? Oh, Masahiro Sase? Yeah, I don't know. Is that worth talking about? Do you want to talk about that? Um, I think I talked about it last episode, but yeah, it's, he's going to have his retirement on the 19th. Um, he's going to team up with um, uh, with Masato Tanaka, and they're gonna he's going to take on, on Jun Kasai and uh, Nosawa Rangai. It's going to um, be the main event at um, at Shinkiba. Um, so, and you know, he, like I, I mentioned, I think in the previous episode, he, um, so I'll say he's not very well known. He's always been an undercard wrestler, but he's very, uh, rich and wealthy. And he was actually one of the uh, main backers on the, uh, Tremont exploding barbed wire death match in Japan back in October. He actually got that all set up and booked and everything and promoted the show. So, um, you know, it's not a big loss in the sense of he's just an undercard guy, but it's a big loss in the sense of. The, you know, this group is losing someone that's willing to put money down and ha- and help and have bigger, sh- you know, and promote bigger shows. So, you know, those kind of, you know, those kind of losing those kind of backers hurt because now, you know, you lose the possibility of, you know, running an outside barbed wire exploding match or something like that. You're, you know, now you just have now you're just with people that are only willing to run Shinkiba or something like that. Um, I have just one question. Uh, do you know if there's any, um, I don't want to say heat, but if there's any friction between Onita and, and Kasai, because, um, I have various theories in my head, but I was wondering if you had ever heard of that. No, they worked together, um, back in 2013. Um, you know, Onita came to Freedoms for about three months, actually about six months or so. And he worked a program with Kasai. And, you know, they did a couple six-mans, and, you know, the uh, it was actually built around, you know, Onita saying, you know, light tubes aren't real deathmatch weapons and stuff. And, um, you know, it kind of set up to where, like, oh, you, you think they're going to have this dream deathmatch between the dude, two uh, deathmatch icons? And it never happened. I mean, it just, you know, they had tag matches and, and whatnot, and then it just ended. And, I mean, it was most likely, you know, because of politics where Onita's not going to lose to Kasai and what's the point of Freedoms having Kasai lose to Onita? So it's just a political, you know, thing where no one's going to job 
to each other. There's no reason to have Kasai job to Onita. I'm sure he would job, but there's no real reason why, for freedom's sake. Um, so, I mean, there might be that issue, but I don't think, I mean, I've never heard anything as far as there being actual heat between the two or anything like that. Okay. There's, um, what it, what it comes from is, uh, I noticed that, um, for a long time, Onita would run opposite, uh, freedoms, uh, for a lot of shows. And I always thought, well, they're drawing against each other, you know, and then there's this match. They had a, a six or an eight man. And at the end of the match, just as the pin is counted, Kasai takes this bundle of fucking light tubes and he smashes him with it. And it looked like Onita wasn't expecting it. He looked kind of annoyed about the whole thing. Just a well, that was like head. I said, yeah, that was just you know because of the whole thing with Onita saying light tubes aren't real deathmatch weapons and everything, yeah, and Kasai, you know, hitting him uh, with the light tube to kind of be like, you know, hey, you said this doesn't hurt, or you know, look at take this, yeah. So, well, all right, that will wrap it up for episode ten, and uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll and 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 I also want to say if anyone has any questions, if you want to send in questions. You can contact uh, me or Bahu on Twitter. Uh, you can e- uh, oh, I don't really have an email set up for this, but if you have any questions about the shows as we go through it, um, feel you know, feel free to write us, and we can talk about any questions on the show. And uh, that's about it. So, uh, Bahu, if you want to let them know where they can find you on uh, online. Uh, uh, on Twitter at BahuFMW, B-A-H-U-F-M-W. Uh, uh, Instagram, BahuFMWWorlds. And on YouTube, BrettFMW. And, of course, at FMWWrestling.us, where you have the most yeah. comprehensive list of everything about FMW you would ever want. What?